Hello and welcome to the C21 podcast. My name's Jonathan Webdale. Today's episode comes to you live from Lille, where the C21 team is out in force at the Series Mania Festival. We're recording from the C21 studio in the Grand Palais, where you can probably hear some of the hustle and bustle around us. I'm joined by three esteemed international TV executives to give us a flavour of what's going on here and talk through some of the burning issues right now in drama. In a moment, we'll be hearing from Laurent Boisel, who's co-founder and CEO of French producer-distributor about premium content, or APC Studios, as it's now known as of today. Frederick Afmalmborg is managing director of Echo Rights, a Sweden-based distributor recently acquired by South Korea's CJENM. And Samuel Kisu, president of Pernell Media, a French factual and entertainment specialist which is now moving into the drama space also as of today. We'll be hearing from them in a moment, but first I spoke earlier with Francesco Capuro, director of the Series Mania Forum, to get an overview of this year's event. This year uh, we are very happy because the forum has grown since last year, 25% more participants. We reached uh, 2,500 registered professional attendees from 57 different countries. So it's, uh, it's huge and uh, it's impressive because the growth was very fast. We started only six years ago in Paris at that time and we moved to Lille last year. So. Uh, it's, uh, it's incredibly fast growing, but uh, it shows the interest uh, of the industry for content development because uh, we are a content development market uh, proposing to the professional attendees uh, uh, pitchings uh, of uh, projects at different stages, some uh, early stages uh, from their writers, some more advanced pitched by their producers, but uh, there is a whole choice of, uh, of project. Uh, that people can uh, invest in. Just tell me a, bit, a little bit about that transition from uh, from Paris to Lille. How did that go? How do you feel uh, things have moved on from, from last year to this year? Uh, it was uh, definitely an improvement uh, to, to pass from Paris to Lille because uh, um, the French government, but also the European Union, uh, allowed us a bigger budget to um, to increase the event. Now, as Lille is a, a smaller city compared to Paris, we can really take over the city and be everywhere. The screenings in the city center, the um, professional events here in this nice location, which is Lille Grand Palais. And uh, so, yeah, you can feel the atmosphere and the energy of the festival uh, in, the, in, the, in the town, which was impossible, of course, in, in Paris because it's too big. So it was a, a chance, an opportunity, a challenge too, because it was not on the map for a lot of professionals, but they trusted the brand, they followed us here, and uh, we are glad to see that they keep coming. What were the crucial things that you were thinking about when you were programming this event this year? Uh, I just, of course, the, 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 the main goal is to, to stay relevant and uh, to, to choose topics which are the real concerns of uh, the industry participants. So I work with uh, some experts and advisors who help us to find, to, to find the best speakers 
and uh, to, to think about, to brainstorm about uh, the topics. We have a lot of conferences uh, during the three days, almost 70, if we count the pitching session and so on, which is huge, but I hope that is give an overview of the state in the industry at that moment. Pick out some of the highlights for us. Definitely the Copra pitching session. Today they started, the room was crowded, 15 selected projects. Uh, we received 400 applications, and this is really the, the main, uh, the main uh, event. Uh, tomorrow is more focused on VR and writing and we have pitching session from uh, Series Lab and the UGC Writers Campus, our training uh, workshops for uh, young writers. And on the third day, the Lille Transatlantic Dialogues with A-list speakers uh, such as uh, Ted Sarandos from Netflix, uh, Georgia Brown from Amazon, uh, but also Char Charles Rifkin from MPAA and the French Minister of Culture coming. So when you talk to producers, what are the, the key issues that are top of mind for them at the moment and what are the, the reasons that they are attending this event? Because uh, they, they need to raise higher budgets to stay competitive, especially uh, in a very um, challenging market uh, and uh, with uh, an audience which is uh, now educated and expect a level of production which is very high. Uh, they need to be directly in the international arena, so at the, the development stage they need this kind of event to, to find partners. So this is uh, the, their main concern. Another concern is also how they can continue to be independent producer in an environment which is changing so fast and the bigger groups tend to buy production company and so the, the role of producer is changing, is one of the topics of our, uh, our panel's uh, discussion today. You've got Netflix, you've got Amazon tonight, French time, mm -hmm. Apple will be announcing their plans for their move into uh, original drama and, and video streaming. That's, I guess, one of the big topics that's also hanging over this week. Yeah, 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 definitely. It is. It is a big announcement. We invited them because we would have loved them to announce it here, but of course it, it was not possible. Maybe I hope that uh, next year one of the executives from Apple will accept to, to come and talk about their strategy. It will be absolutely very interesting to see uh, what's their strategy and uh, how it works but uh, they are a major player anyway so uh, they will make a big impact. Francesco Capuro from the Series Mania Forum. Also at the forum I'm joined now by Lauren Boisel from About Premium Content, Frederick F. Malborg from Echo Rights and Samuel Kissu from PNL Media. Hello everybody. Hi. Hello. Hi. How's it going? Very well. Wonderful. Uh, first time for some of you here at, at the Series Mania Festival? No. Oh. Second. Second time? Second. Second Getting time in Lille. And I don't know how many times if you include the Paris editions. But last year I drove a car up and it was horrible. But this year I took a TGV and it was very handy, just less than an hour. And first time for me, I'm very excited. Just arrived today. So what's your focus this time round? Laurent, start off. Well, so that might be a bit unrelated to Series Media, but today we are celebrating our five-year anniversary. We created Emmanuel Gilbar, my business partner and I, we created the company five years ago. And so we were having a little cocktail party uh, tonight. And the fact that it's Series Mania, of course, means that a lot of our partners, producers, broadcasters, friends... Can we come friends, to the party? Of course you can. <laughs> we invited 6 p.m. I don't have the address, but you are free to come, all, all, all of you. 
uh, and so we're doing that. Um, you, um, you may have seen also in the press that uh, it's actually not a renaming from APC into APC Studio. It's just that our holding company is now being called APC Studio because it uh, encompasses distribution and APC is still our main distribution arm for scripted and factual uh, and, and production. Uh, so it's more a corporate name than an actual commercial name. So uh, you will still uh, keep calling us APC. How about you, Frederick? What's your, what's your focus this year at Series Mania? Series Mania is a bit of a soft market in a way. You hang around with people and meet people and listen and uh, develop relationships more than actually hardcore selling, I guess. So we're listening to producers, new projects. We are having a strong lineup of uh, Scandinavian series that are premiering this spring that we're pitching to some clients. And uh, yeah, no, it's more like tuning in where everything else, I would say, at least for us. And then we're scratching our heads if we're gonna, because we're quite ambitious normally at MIP TV, and this year we don't really know if, it, if it's better to be here more heavily next year, or so it's like kind of looking around, but uh, lots of productive meetings, of course. Samuel, you've come here because you're launching into drama. Yes, for us, it's uh, officially launching our uh, drama activity. Um, I mean, as you know, we're, we've established a business in the world of formats and factual. So I would say transitioning into drama is the next step for us. Uh, we've already produced um, a short drama with uh, Christopher Holt, uh, a great British director with whom we've worked on our factual series, The Real War of Thrones. Coming here is a great way for us to smell the trends, meet people, meet talents, um, and potentially find a lot of great corporate partners. And so have you had a chance to look around to get a sense of uh, some of the things that you might be interested in? Yeah, so this morning they had these uh, co-pro pitching sessions, which I find very interesting. Um, you can see uh, other companies pitching their new projects in front of a, a very, very packed room. I mean, it's a standing room. People have to stand up at, at the back of the room. It's crazy, the attendance. Um, so, you know, it's. Um, I was very impressed by a couple of presentations. You know, there was uh, um, a program called Off Seasons from Switzerland. Um, and then my friends uh, from French company Mother Production presented Purple, um, which was uh, a great pitch. So I find there's a, a really interesting creativity and a lot of energy in, the, in these sessions. Have you had a chance to look around, Lauren or, or Frederick at all? Honestly, uh, not yet because <laughs> it's a bit early days and uh, I have a diary a bit like Frederick, full of meetings and uh, we're meeting essentially producers because it's not a market like MIP TV where we will essentially meet clients. Uh, so we have a dozen um, developments in drama, for instance. We have a dozen development ongoing, and that's an opportunity to uh, to meet with uh, your partners, your potential partners, with talent, uh, with potential commissioners as well. So it's more this kind of market. It's very production production focused. Uh, I'm very curious though to watch a, a show I've heard of um, and people have been speaking very highly of this show. It's called uh, Lamps of the Gods. It's Australian and we know the producer. It's big budget and it's quite agey. So, uh, and I think it's going out here on Wednesday night. Now we're a little bit like um, us being uh, mainly a Swedish company even though we have bases around the world and are strong in Turkish as well. We are like looking a little bit what is the next thing after Nordic Noir. 
there it has been a lot. So, I mean, I'm really getting uh, kind of tired on the police procedural that still is very much in demand in Germany and so And now it feels like, you know, we're launching one uh, political suspense thriller based on real stories that could maybe be something that you feel that is like all invisible heroes. And so we're kind of looking for what is the next thing from, from, uh, from the Nordic region, for example. But there's been a little bit another trend, maybe like more soapy stories. There we are, of course, um, yeah, you know, comfortable with all our Turkish drama background, but I, we see a little bit of that kind of stories, but a real human stories, maybe with, with romance and family issues. But uh, I would say that I'm quite tired of crime at the moment and looking for something else. What about the audiences and uh, what are the, the kinds of shows that you feel that they're looking out for and the broader trends that you're seeing in the business in terms of genre and uh, what, what's really kind of breaking through when there are so many series out there? I think they, the series tend to be uh, shorter for SVOD. Uh, that uh, perhaps, and we're looking more into also through our sister companies within CJ for, for, for movies or miniseries, that is very different from a long-running linear TV production, because I think on, on, on VOD, especially SVOD, uh, I guess they start to understand that it doesn't have to be very long to fulfill the criteria of having a happy subscription customer. Uh, so that's perhaps a little bit of a trend in the pure format. It, it does seem that we're moving towards an era where three seasons seems to be the new norm in certainly in the SVOD environment. A hundred episodes I guess used to be the gold standard in broadcast but uh, but now three seasons is that is that now the the new norm? It doesn't I think have to be very long but yeah. you know yeah. I think 100 episodes was more for crime procedurals and I think it's, it would still be the norm from crime procedurals although there are much less many as before, I mean, there are still a number of uh, free TV networks around uh, around the yeah. globe, which who have audiences that want crime procedural, maybe ma made in a more modern way, and uh, you would have the story of the day combined with a long arcing story. And uh, so, I, I personally think that there is still a very strong market um, in in that respect. And uh, it's funny because at, at MIP TV, not at Series Mania, but we're launching our new big series it's a Canadian English language it's called the murders uh, it's done by Muse Entertainment for CTTV in Canada and it's actually going out tonight in Canada so we're knocking wood because it's very important for us and uh, and it was a little different from what we had in our lineup until now because we had a lot of very sort of cable AG elevated shows and uh, and there have been so many shows cable shows done uh, over the last five years on both sides of the Atlantic that I think at some point the more commercial shows have been forgotten a little. That's at least that was our analysis. It's true that there has been so much production of series over the past couple of years. I mean when you come here I mean there's a whole festival dedicated to series and there's not just one festival there's a couple of festivals. So there's so much content out there of course the question becomes you know what's what's going to be feeling a bit more fresh and different because it seems that you're watching again and again as you were saying you know procedurals and crime and then you know something very gloomy about the future so all these kinds of genres and shows end up looking a little bit alike so which is why I find interesting when you come here and looking at all the pitches you want to find okay there is something a little bit fresh out there is there a new voice is there a new team um, so, yeah, I guess that's a big challenge for the business of series now. Five years is obviously a, a landmark for you, Laura. It's, it's a, 
a good period of time as well, I guess, to take a snapshot of the business and how it's changed in that period. How, how do you well, see one things? Of the, one of the reasons um, we've, uh, again, not renamed, but adopting this new brand on top of the other brands, APC Studio, is that after five years being in, in distribution, uh, we realize that in the medium term, you can't just be a standalone distributor unless you are part of a much wider organization with tens and tens of uh, home producers, domestic producers feeding you uh, because it's just too difficult. Plus, uh, if you sort of picture the market where it's going to be in five years time, our projection that maybe, and again, it's very rule of thumb, right? But on three series, produced, drama series produced. I suspect that one will be for a platform, at least one on three, no distribution. Another one will be for a, a Sky or a Canal Plus of this world who want distribution for its own distribution arm. So, I mean, the free market for independent distributors, which, what we, which is what we were un, un, until recently, is going to shrink and it means that the cost of acquiring content is going to be higher and higher with more and more risk all the time. So if you want your way out of that, you need to produce. No, I think it's a part of, a, of a, a vid, because right now there is an incredible amount of dramas produced and uh, everybody are expecting an MG of whatever, 10-20% of the budget and, and uh, I think it's still very much like the different clients, they, they invest heavily in their own series and have quite low budget for acquisitions. And I think Netflix has, for example, showed really that it doesn't have to be an, uh, your own series to make it an, your identity flagship brand. I mean, Casa de Papel, for example, was, was an acquisition for them to start with. So I think the buyer's uh, acquisition and original production in the platforms and broadcasting need to merge and think together what can be done to you know, make the best impact on, on our platform or to our audience. And there is either something that you keep for a long time on your platform or something that you buy non-exclusively. And what we see now more and more, for example, we're launching series in Russia right now where we're having the same series on eight different platforms. Uh, it's the same in, in, in Korea, for example. And I think if you see some Hollywood productions in Scandinavia, they are like on everywhere. So it's either your own real flagship thing or it's a distribution that is very wide to a number of non-exclusive to many, many clients. You were until recently a, an independent distributor as well. So um, just, just tell us about the CJENM deal and why, why did it, it's a very interesting yeah. acquisition for them and, and interesting for you. Why was it the right time and the right partner? No, because we are, I mean, we are still independent uh, in that sense that we, I mean, me and Nicola, who founded the company, we're still major shareholders. CJNM is the largest media company in Asia. They have, uh, you know, they want to do more things in, uh, in Europe and develop uh, their business further. We're still uh, representing producers and uh, developing their IP in the best way and, and maximizing the value. But, you know, it's, uh, the business is changing, so you need more resources probably to, and uh, we also see, we calculated actually in Turkey, for example, which is an important source market for us, they have been adapting, or we have been adapting together with others, uh, 25 Korean scripts in the last five years. 
two drama series locally. So it's a, it's, it's a strong bond between uh, Korea and, uh, and Turkey. But Korea, we, we've had an office or representative there for over 10 years, so it has been an important market for a long time. And we think there is a great uh, original creativity and, uh, you know, I think it's, uh, the world is getting uh, smaller, so I think the Asian input is very interesting. Samuel, for you, as a new entrant into the drama market with so much activity going on in this space and competition for IP, for writers, for any whiff of a project out there, it, it's pretty intense, so it's a pretty, pretty big job for you to be taking on right now as a factual and entertainment specialist. Yeah. Well, I mean, interestingly, you know, um, a lot of great um, drama producers around the world come from the factual world. I mean, there's a good example in France with um, Kappa, who is uh, Kappa, which is the producer of Versailles and a lot of drama. They were originally uh, mostly a factual producer. And interestingly, our first uh, project in the drama world, our first project is with Christopher Holt, who has been uh, a consulting producer and writer on The Real World of Thrones, our uh, factual series. So I'd say for me, you know, it's, it's about leveraging on whatever strengths you, you have and what sort of freshness you can bring. Um, as I said earlier, you know, you've got, and as you said, there is so much out there. So if you're going to do this, what, what are you going to bring that's different, that's going to feel a bit more fresh? I think if you come from a factual background, actually, you have a great um, view on the world uh, we live in, so it's, it's, a, it's a different tone, a different um, voice you can bring. Also, I would say we've been working internationally for 10 years now, ever since, you know, we, we're, you were five years, we're celebrating our 10th anniversary this year, and we've been very international, you know, we started in Interna with international formats, actually, just like you guys, you were more of a formats oh, we company were, yeah. originally. Yeah, yeah, you know? we were, we were, we were. So I remember you guys, Nicola, with Nicola, yeah, you yeah, were yeah. doing a lot of formats oh, back yeah. in the days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, formats um, gave us a great um, exposure to the international market. Uh, you know, we've made eight international formats in France. We've created our own content. We work with broadcasters in the UK. We work with broadcasters in the US. We work with talents in the UK and in the US and in France as well. So I think we're incredibly well positioned um, in the international game. And all I hear here <laughs> is co-production. So I feel, you know, we've been kind of doing this now for 10 years. Um, so it's all very natural for us. Another new entrant to the uh, drama yes. space is gonna, be, is gonna be Apple. Are you getting any flavor of that? And ahead of that announcement, what kind of impact do you think they're going to have on the market at a time when Disney Plus is gearing up for launch and Warner Media is also preparing for the launch of uh, an OTT service also? I mean, I can't say about Apple because they've been extremely secretive uh, about their project. It's been delayed and we know that they, are, um, they have commissioned about 20 or 25 shows and uh, so that's coming. It's very difficult to, know, to, uh, to find out whether they are in a more sort of qualitative, high-end strategy, picking and producing very few shows of very high standards, or if what they want to do is building another Netflix. Personally, I don't think so. I would go for the first version, but no one can be sure until they, you know, until they announce. More generally, I'm very happy to see more competition in uh, the world of global SVOD uh, commissioners and buyers, because that's uh, good for all the distributors and the producers in the world. I think it's difficult to do. I mean, I don't know if they plan to link to a hardware or some sort or, or their own uh, Apple world. 
I think there are either global platforms and there has to come something to compete with Netflix because they can't be alone. I guess HBO is, is, is coming in Amazon and so. But then I think the regional SVODs are the ones that are really, really strong in, in Scandinavia and investing a lot. It hasn't really come to, 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 to Spain, France and Italy to the same extent, I believe. But I think that's really a race where every linear broadcaster, any big media group has to get into to move over from the total dependency on, on advertising revenue into getting a part of SVOD share. And they're working on it, and they're working on it in Germany. Yeah, they are. They but are, it's but true that it's true. the rest of the big European countries sometimes we just don't understand. Oh. Because you can scream against Netflix from morning to evening, but if you don't do anything about it, I mean, serious industrial endeavor, putting money, building something, like Viaplay in, in, yeah, in Scandinavia, in like Elisa in Finland, mm. like these guys. I mean, there are many examples of strong local SVOD players, and I agree with Frederick that at some point they will be the emanation of the strong local media group, uh, because it's a conversion that they have to make. To me, the, the turning point was uh, when I saw that Apple had hired Jay Hunt to run uh, Content Creation Europe, I thought, wow, these guys are getting really serious. I mean, she's one of the most seasoned, smartest most amazing talents in Europe for the TV industries. It's, it's all abstract, but then when you start having a face for Europe and when they hire the woman who is running Channel 4, it's a huge, you know, it's a huge sign that they're getting serious about it. So They certainly you know, have the funds to do it, so, so uh, you know, maybe they will be successful. I mean, building on Apple Music um, makes sense, of course. Okay, well, no doubt all will be revealed later on. Sadly, that's all we've got time for in today's episode. So thank you very much to my guests, Laurel, Frederick, Samuel. There'll be more from us tomorrow. But in the meantime, remember to stay up to date with C21 in the meantime by following us online on Twitter and mobile. Thanks very much for listening.